Welcome back to another week and another episode of the What Everybody Podcast. Johnny here in the third person, as usual. Boy, we have a cool episode for you today. What the heck is going on on the Sunset Strip? Ryan's going to tell us all about it. Johnny tells us about the time he toured in Ukraine. And later, coming in from our favorite place for glaciers, Sweden, drummer for the one and only Glenn Hughes, Mr. Pontus Enberg. So sit back with a second helping of meatballs, the Swedish kind, some absolute vodka, even though it's made in France, and enjoy the show. So with no further ado, Ryan and Johnny. Hey, buddy. Air drums. Air drums. Give me some air drums. Nice chest hair, dude. Nice chest. I was so worried this morning. I almost texted you because I was putting Why? on the red because I put on the red flannel. But the last time I did, I've only worn a red flannel once in the forty-something yeah. episodes here, and the same day that I wore it, you wore it. Two. And the funny thing is, my backup 42. was I was like, I was going to go. You know what? Maybe I'll just wear my white T-shirt. Because Ryan <laughs> always wears a, you almost always wear a flannel. So I'm like, he's going to wear a flannel. And, 50 uh, Whatever the case is, a lot more than me. And uh, I was like, I, I'll, well, here's a white t-shirt. Now in hindsight, I think I made the right decision. I wore the flannel. You did not. Yeah, you wore the white, the white t-shirt. And I did not. It it would have been awesome had I worn the white the white shirt. Because I would that would have been me not following my gut. And it would have been another example of always follow your gut. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So. You know, that leads me Dude, into segue of following. Can my I gut. ask, can, can I ask yeah. a real question? Can I ask a real yeah. question? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? About what? About and what? that's not it. That's not saying that like, who cares about what you just said? It's saying who cares what shirt you have on, you know, who cares what shirt I have I, on? Well, that, well, that's the thing is, it's funny coming from you because I don't care. And you're always the guy who seems to care. <laughs> well, I care about what I look like, but I care about you're, what I look you're like. You're wearing the care. same sweatshirt as you wore last week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, those what do you mean you only like, wear one pair of shoes? I like so. to bust your balls, but I. It, uh, yeah. If you have a flannel on and I have a flannel on, who cares? Anyways, I like the bold move of not having a shirt on under it, though. That is all chesty. Is 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 this all? Is, does this look weird? You're is so like chesty. Is is the, is the light <laughs> gleaming off of my tits? Yeah, you need a little. You need a little spray tan. <laughs> do I, Do I need to go like this? Get a little bit more clean? No, man. Let it hang out. It's all good. I am. All right. Well, we're moving past this. We're going. We're, we're, we're moving past this. I want to say you. hello and welcome back to the What Everybody podcast, everybody. Yeah. Thank you up, for joining us again. Episode 42. Do you know when I was a kid, mm-hmm. that was the street number of my uh, house that I grew up in. 42 Michael Road. Uh, cool. Yeah, just a little side note there. Cool. But hey, dude, yeah. I'm really excited because later on today, coming in from fucking Sweden, I'm uh, one of my fucking favorite places. I'm saying fucking a lot. Why not? Yeah, dude. Sweden, one of my favorite places. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Pontus Enborg is coming in. He is a drummer for Glenn Hughes. We so got a that's, guest. That's why I started off air drumming, man. That's it. That's it. That yeah. explains it. I was like, what the fuck's he doing? <laughs> makes no sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Hello, everybody again. And I want to talk to you, Ryan Harris, about the Viper Room is closing down. Yeah, yeah they're closing it, man closing it well viper room is closing down i wish we would have known this when ashley montgomery was on well let me ask you because it sold a couple years ago so it's not new news but of the past couple of days now it got pushed through 
that they're going to build. It's going to be like 140 hotel rooms. It's going to be 40 some residential places and then like a restaurant on the ceiling or on, on the rooftop. Well, it, they, it's definitely been something that has been told. I'm sure it's been told to you. I've just, yeah. you know, talking to the staff at the Viper Room through the years, we knew this was coming. This is not yeah. a surprise that this is happening. What is surprising is that I was under the impression that they were going to leave the actual Viper Room and build around it. But now we have learned that they're just going to put a new version of the Viper Room inside this building when it's built. It's gonna, um, it's, uh, that makes me I Listen, like that's all I got to say. Something, something has happened over the last few years. They, they got rid of the, the House of Blues on Sunset, yeah. um, and they keep building these like really big hotelish like like foo-foo like type places it's not let's call them what they are obstructions to the view of the city well yeah but they're also to a different kind okay so the sunset strip and this part of the sunset strip was yeah. like the rock and roll section you know you had the whiskey yeah. you had the roxy and you got the rainbow which are still there and will still remain there but you also used to have the Cat Club, which isn't there anymore. And now the Viper Room is going to be different. Um, and all the places they are building, the place they built, like, right there at the corner of, like, uh, was it Doheny? And there's a there's a huge hotel at uh, La Cienega and, and, and Sunset. And then La Cienega. Where, uh, where the House of Blues was, there's another new huge hotel. thing there. And now what they're doing with the Viper Room it, it's just they're, they're changing the whole dynamic of what the Sunset Strip was. They're like almost affecting the history by putting yeah. all of this non-rock and roll type thing there. It was like you would see guitars hanging on the like light poles and stuff yeah. like now it like doesn't quite represent the same way. Well, so I, I, let me ask you, this is not an original question, but if you put up hotels, 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 and you tear down these places to build more hotels and more hotels, what's there to come visit? what's there to stay at the hotel for now at this point, you know? Well, like, the selling point is that you're saying on Sunset Strip around that, the selling point would be like, you're near the Roxy, you're near the comedy store, you're near, yeah. you know, whatever. Comedy still kills it. Comedy still does really well. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to get rid of those places, but like yeah. it also gives you a really nice view. Like you say, it, it ruins the view of LA, but like if you're staying in one of those rooms that's facing south, you've yeah. got the best view of the city. You can see downtown, yeah. you can see the ocean, you can see Compton. <laughs> well, did you see what it looks like, the proposition for the new structure where the Viper Room is? Did you see this? Look, let me pull it up. I'm horrified for what you're about to show me, because you don't sound like it looks good. Well, you tell me. There you have it. That's the proposed structure. So if you're listening, it's a picture of Sunset Boulevard in Larrabee, Sunset and Larrabee, where the Viper Room currently sits. They have what looks like it's they're bullshit. Taking, they're, get, they're getting rid of all the liquor stores, the two liquor stores there, too. Those places have been there since the fucking 30s. What they're yeah. doing to I really it's think bullshit. this is fucked up. It's bullshit. Because, A, that is the ugliest fucking thing ever. The fuck is that? Why do they have the grass on the fucking side like that? It looks makes it, it looks look like a parking shitty. garage with some weird. It is horrible. It, it, it's an eyesore. So that goes more to my point of what I'm saying about just changing the whole fucking dynamic of what sunset, the sunset strip stood for. So I have a question. 
I watch yeah. uh, I watch HGTV like the flipper flop shows and all that stuff. It's fascinating. But the other day they're working on a house, and I say this because it's in California. They're working on a house that was considered historic. So when they're renovating, there's only so much that they can do to the exterior because they have to preserve the the history of this house they were working on. Does none of that exist with like? The culture of Hollywood, and, and, and I'm, I'm I'm sure it does, but I'm sure when you line the right pockets with the right amount of money, though, I don't know about that law. I don't yeah. know if that's what happened. I, that's that's just me fucking bro sciencing it out. But yeah, you know the reality of it is like, why would they do that? That right. like, if you Google, we we went down this path, the history of the Viper Room, and how many different places it's been, all the way back to the fucking forties. Yeah, check this out. This is another confusing thing to me. Uh, maybe you could help me sort it out. Elise Eisenberg, chief of the West Hollywood Heights Neighborhood Association, says she believes the high rise will have too much going on. That's set, uh, that's set to be a home to a hotel of 113 rooms, 40 residences, and a rooftop restaurant. She also noted that the new development will be problematic for the strip. Everything is going to be backlogged. It'll take 40 to 50 minutes to get into the property. So... Boy. Before it even happens, they're acknowledging it's going to be a problem. Well, that lady probably was one of the people who voted against it and was outvoted because her yeah. pockets were probably yeah. not lined. That makes, I guess. I mean, seriously, there's no way they didn't think about that. Times are changing. Times Time are changing, to, my friend. Times are changing. And, 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 you know, when it comes down to it, you know, You want to try changing. that again? <laughs> when, it comes uh, down, when it comes down to it, you know. <laughs> Put a positive spin on it, Harris. I want to see you put a positive spin on it. A positive spin on the Viper. Maybe it'll turn out well. I don't know. We uh, uh, Here, I'll put a positive spin on it. Here's my positive spin for the Viper. We got to play there one more time before it closes. Uh, we'll document it on the podcast. And then what? I guess we'll wait a year while they build this new thing. <laughs> when are we'll they tearing it down? It, we'll compare it to the new supposedly next year. Next year, meaning? I read next year. 23? Dude, they've been saying this shit forever, man. I don't know. I know. It, I know. Like, like, it seriously has been, like, a, no less than five years have I heard that this company from Las Vegas bought the Viper Room. and Yeah. It just all comes back to my point of what's there to do when you tear all these places down, you know? Sure, they're gonna the they're, House they're, of Blues. Every one of those hotel hotels has a dance has a live music venue. In every there, one of those places, they but that live music venue is not fucking open. There's no music yeah. venue there. Every yeah. one of those places has clubs. I tell you something, I've seen those places. They're like really like nice. It, it's just becoming way more high end on the yeah. strip. It's it's just like. You'll have the rainbow. And even the Roxy was bought by Golden Voice, which is a big, you know, Live Nation's competitor here in L.A. Yeah. It's just really strange to me that there's not some sort of representation of the history that does exist. The 60s, the 70s, the 80s. The, there the is. Music there's scene pl and all that. plenty, plenty yeah. of documentaries about it. And maybe I'm missing, you know, like we joke about bro science a lot. Maybe there is some of that going on, but... It feels like things are changing. No joke. It's crazy. And we think we have it bad. Oof. 
People in Ukraine, my heart goes out to them. I don't want to talk too much about it, but I do want to acknowledge that the last tour that I did before the pandemic, we went to Eastern Europe. We were in Ukraine. Ukraine. We, were, we were in Ukraine, uh, Poland, Hungary. Um, and, and like, Ukraine seemed very far away um, before I went. And then when I went, and it was definitely unlike any place I'd ever been. It, you know, it seemed like, you know, some things were different. In um, what way? Like a little behind, in a way. Like, I felt like... Uh, like their 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 oh, transit like buses, time yeah. The, the the transit buses looked like they were from like the nineties, or you know, you went to the mall. We played this gig. It was in a the uh, the venue was in a mall, and uh, it, it seemed like a mall from like the eighties or something. I, I mean, I I don't know. I wasn't in in Kiev, so and in um, a the, that's way the biggest in a, in a sad way. Like it seemed in the time warp. Like was the time war because it could be cool. Like, hey, go back to the. It was cool because it was cool because I felt like I was a little kid. But yeah, it was weird because the country hadn't advanced. Yeah. As quickly, like, for obvious reasons, though, you know. Remember I mean, Euro trip where the guy pulls up and he's like, "Where's the beef?" <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But I it's wasn't like in. I wasn't in Kiev. How do you pronounce it? Is it Kiev? Is I think it's Kiev. Kiev. Yeah, Kiev. That's it, dude. I'll tell you something. I don't just say this because what's going on in the world. I would have said this to you, you know, six months ago. They're some of the best shows I ever played for the the yeah. sole fact that the appreciation the people had, yeah, that we were there was like it was just they were just like ah! like it was like yeah. crazy. It was like yeah, I remember the first show was intense because we played Warsaw on a uh, Saturday, I guess, or maybe it was a Friday. And then the next night we were in, in the Ukraine and they wore us like in Poland, hey. right? Right. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is weird because I, I was expecting what I saw in the Ukraine is what I was expecting to see in Warsaw. And I couldn't be any more wrong. It was the most modern looking fucking city on the planet. Really? Um, it cool. was amazing. But the, the guy in the other band, uh, the, the, the band that was, we were playing with, he's like, dude, you probably have a few hour, to get over the border well that few hours to get over the border it was nine hours to get out of poland and then another two hours to get into the ukraine which was it nine hours because you were waiting or was it nine hours because it was just waiting. that far wow waiting it wow. was a, it was a it was a four-hour drive to the border or something or three-hour drive to the border and yeah. then we waited nine hours uh i had this tune-in radio thing on my phone and app uh, where I could listen to the Eagles games, and I listened to the whole entire Eagles game, uh, the pregame show, the whole game, and the postgame, and they lost yeah. to the Dolphins, who like were a terrible team. Like, anyway, uh, at least you had Wi-Fi, was, right? Well, no, I wasn't using Wi-Fi. I was, uh, I had my phone on, ah. uh, but it was brutal. And then they ripped our shit. They ripped the, the Sprinter apart, and then yeah, we we get here. in. Yeah, get into Ukraine. They rip our sprinter apart, and they're like, "Do you have this? You don't have this." And then we had to slip money. Wait, in they our did passports. it twice. Yeah, both countries did it, but we got ended up getting that first show. Like, ended up getting there like four and a half hours late, uh, and it was like they they sold like uh, one hundred and twenty tickets to the show or something. But dude, it was fucking insane. Yeah, it's it like insane. almost the culmination of like this hassle or hectic day, and then you finally get to where you need to be to do what you want to do, and that pulls through. That was a perfect example of a day where you're like, why do I do this shit? Sitting at the border for that long to get across to have to fucking like get scammed by the Ukrainian uh, border patrol. 
Yeah. But it's also a perfect. I don't want to talk of, shit about that because they, they're going through yeah. what they're going through. But I mean, let's call a spade a spade. That is what. It's also a perfect example of why you do, do what you do, though, because you went through the hassle and you had a great show that you're here now talking about. You know. Oh, dude, yeah, that whole night ended up being great. I learned a couple of cool things that night. We ended up going to the, out to this really modern pizza place afterwards, and uh, uh, and then getting bottles of vodka. And the way they drink vodka there is. Uh, you take a shot of vodka and you follow it immediately with apple juice and you taste nothing except apple juice. It kills the taste immediately. Immediately. It's too scary. Too scary. So our promoter, Sasha, he traveled with us to be our interpreter um, and stuff and take care of all the business stuff while we were in there. And, you know, he traveled in our vehicle with us and he traveled and he stayed with us in hotel rooms, actually. And um, the snoring guys slept in one room, and we were called snore. We were called Snore Team snoring Six. Guys. Yeah, we we're called snore, snore Team Snore Team Six. Always vigilant. And uh, and Sasha was an honor. Yeah, Sasha was an honorary member of Snore Team Six. And um, <laughs> have you? Uh, I, not not to cut you off. Yeah. Uh, as I cut you off, but have you spoken to him since? Uh, I have the, since the war has gone down. I have. He, I mean, the last time I talked to him, he was doing good. I mean, his first exit really puts it in perspective. You know, it's just like, dude, we're doing okay. We're trying to kill as many Russians as we can. It's just like, whoa. You know, like it's so did he intense. join the military or whatever that well, deal is? Uh, the, I don't think people are joining the military. I think it's just like if you're a man, you're fighting. Yeah. And they want to. It's not like you're being drafted. It's like the men want to fight. This is our country. Yeah. We're not doing this. Yeah. Um, and he's checked in with me. We've, we've gone back and forth, but I did reach out to him a few days ago after yeah. they did invade Odessa the other day or something. And I reached out to him and, uh, I haven't heard back. So, but he, he takes he, a few days to get back, you know, he's actually like fighting and yeah, he said they were making Molotov cocktails and he lives in an important place in town in the center of Odessa. So he's had to throw Molotov cocktails. Crazy. They don't fuck around. I mean, Sasha, you know. He's funny. Their response to this has been pretty admirable. I read a story yeah. about there was um so women with children were allowed to leave the country. Uh, but there's a group of women that once they got their kids secured, they went back and they're like, We're gonna fight with our men. It's amazing. Yeah. I saw the I saw this couple that were, you know, civilians fighting, but they got they had a little wedding. They were like had their, you know, uniforms on and holding their guns and getting married. Wow. So crazy. I mean, like, but you know, in, in the, the sad part of it though is that lots of people are dying and, and they are bombing they bombed a a, a a children's hospital yesterday. Like it's like they're they're mm. they're doing crazy very wars crazy in itself, but they're 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 committing war crimes. Yeah, and whenever you just, bring it, when you bring kids yeah. into anything, man, it's like, and civilians, they're yeah. like they're like bombing civilians trying to leave the country and stuff, like not on the highways, but like like they're they're just bombing. People are like out trying to get out of town, and they're like fucking like trying to like legitly hit them. No words. Like it, no words. No words. And it's very sad as we roll around here. You know, I mean, and I, you know, you know, what's another sad thing here is the people of Russia. You know, the people who live in Russia who, who don't support what's happening, they, you know, they lost McDonald's yesterday or something, you know, they've oh, lost Oh, there's McDonald's. a bunch of stuff, dude. They, they, they've lost Apple. They've lost Samsung. They've lost Visa, Coca-Cola. They've lost Visa, MasterCard. Like, it's Ikea. insane. 
Ikea? Speaking of Ikea, enough of this negative shit, dude. I'm fucking transitioning <laughs> this shit right out of there. My and man. We're going, my man. <laughs> let's, let's bring this. God, we got uh, d- doom and gloom here. All I right, know, I we know. Got, Pontus Enborg. Is it Enborg? Enborg? Uh, we're going to have to ask him. It's coming E-N-G-B-O-R-G. up. Coming up right now. Out of that dark mess, we got Pontus Edberg all the way from Sweden. He is the drummer for Glenn Hughes and a bunch of other cool stuff. I know him from when we used to go to MI together. We'll tell that story when we get in there. Some really cool stuff there. So, Ryan, why don't you welcome Pontus on in here? Let's go to Sweden. There's Pontus. Oh, hey, buddy. Oh, What's up, my there man? Is, there he is. Hey, buddy. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Can yes. you can yeah. hear us? All right. Ryan, this is Pontus. Pontus, this is Hello. Ryan. Hey, Ryan. We, we met at Sweden Rock Festival a couple years back. I don't, I'm not sure if you oh, remember. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. But uh, officially good to see you again. Thanks for doing the podcast. It's, uh, I, it's I, good to see you, man. My bad. I forgot you were there with me, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was completely shit-faced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. I remember, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And you, your girlfriend was like, he never gets like this. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. But dude, yeah, but yeah. I did. Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me fill the people in on, on this, because this is actually like the best story ever. I know Pontus because we went to Musicians Institute together, and yeah. I had not seen Pontus for 14 years when I ran into him backstage at Sweden Rock Festival. We were both there playing, and... It was like the most amazing thing. Now, granted, he was hammered, so I wonder if he would have been as happy to see me if he was sober. But <laughs> it was an amazing experience because, you know, you don't know this for years. You know, I've been going to Sweden. And uh, the first time I went there in 2006, I knew you were from Gothenburg. And right. I, was, I was at the Gothenburg Street Festival, I guess. They have it every summer in August. Sure, sure. And, um, I was there and we got there the night before and I was talking to some guy and I was like, I went to music school with this guy named Pontus. I don't know what his last name is. However, he's a very large man with straight blonde hair. He's like, oh, Pontus Enberg. Yeah, he's out on tour right now. I was like, fuck. (laughs) I was not expecting him to know who you were. And then when he told me who you were, I still was very suspicious if this guy was just fucking with me. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> so Pontus and I go back years now, and, and we've only seen each other now twice since we were at MI. I, I, I'm dying to know, like, A, how you ended up in MI, but B, what have you been doing since? We've done some research. We know you played with Glenn Hughes and, and, and all that for quite a period of time. We'll get that down the line. But what happened after MI ended? We, we get done, then, then what goes on? What happened after MI? Well, I enrolled at record, the Recording Artist Program, but I didn't have time to go to school because I had gigs, you know? Yeah. I played three shows a night. I mean, a day, you know? I really? Could, you know, a, a jazz trio in Beverly Hills, lunch gig, then, you know, hmm. six o'clock, Sherman Oaks, rock, and then took my uh, what kind of car did I have uh, uh, a stakeout car you know the, you know the old Chevy Caprice right yeah the shit, little, you know? little cop car <laughs> exactly how'd you get your drums exactly. into that fucking thing <laughs> huge are you kidding yeah, well, me it, it's, it's huge but it, I guess it, it all huge. goes I'm so used to putting my seats down and having like a station wagon I guess you'd put it on the back seat 
I could, I could fit a big band in there. The harder question is not how'd you fit your drums in it. It's how'd you park it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In exactly. Hollywood. Yeah. I got that down. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, no. So, uh, you know, I, so I played a lot. So I, and this is actually a funny story. Uh, uh, you remember Masaki, the guitar player, the teacher, and am I? Yeah, yeah the right. Japanese guy. Exactly. Yeah, he uh, he was the head of the record recording artist program at the time, and uh, you know, so I I couldn't go to school. I, I, I'm like Masaki. I got to play. You know, I came here to the state to fulfill my dreams to play, and I'm. You know, I'm finally, I'm finally here. I can finally say that I'm a full-time musician, so I don't have time to go to school. Now, Masaki <laughs> said, "Well, I think it's a, you know, a huge mistake." And uh, fast forward to 2011, 12, uh, I think uh, I was in Japan with Bobby Kimball from Toto, uh, Steve O'Gary from uh, Journey. Bill Champlin from Chicago and uh, Fergie Fredrickson, the late Fergie Fredrickson, who I miss deeply, uh, uh, from Toto as well. So uh, I did that tour, and uh, of course, you know, I hit up Masaki because you know he moved back to Japan, right? So I hit him up and said, "Hey, you know, I'm coming to Japan. You know, do you want you know backstage tickets? And you know, you want to hang?" So he came to the show. He saw me play "Hold the Line." Uh, don't stop believing, you know, all those hits, you know, <laughs> all the hits. And he was backstage, you know, he was backstage after the show and he didn't say anything then, uh, about, you know, the, the memory that we both shared that I, you know, I, I did a huge mistake, not, you know, being in school. Uh, but, uh, then I came back to Japan, uh, with Glenn and, uh, Doug Aldridge. Oh, cool. uh, as a trio, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, of course. How, how did Doug Aldridge get into that? Like, because you were in Japan with those other guys, where did where did Doug come into the picture? Was he part uh, of that too? Was he was was Doug Aldridge in Japan with you guys at the same time? That was with the Glenn Hughes band. Oh, the Glenn Hughes band. Oh, 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 yeah. oh okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, then Masaki told me, you know, I remember when I told you that you did a huge mistake not you know going to school and uh i'm just gonna say i'm here I'm, i've seen you twice in japan with all my favorite singers and now you're here with glenn hughes and my favorite guitar player doug aldridge uh you did good buddy yeah <laughs> you got that never listen to me again you know <laughs> yeah 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 how did you how did you end up in glenn hughes how did that come to be because that's a really big deal that's when i saw you at sweden rock that's when you were playing and the, the the ironic thing is i didn't know that you were playing with him and i watched you play that day not even knowing that i was watching you play that oh you day. watched the show i yeah i just yes. happened to be like it was like i didn't see the whole thing but i saw parts of it because you know i was right. doing my thing but i saw the whole thing it was killer yeah yeah i Good mean job. it was glenn hughes i had i had to check something out but i didn't know you were playing with him because i hadn't right. seen you yet so sure. I, I watched you play and not even know i might have even mm-hmm. been like oh drummer's badass and then i saw you backstage <laughs> later that night which right. I, I i love telling that story because what a great story anyway so yeah, yeah. glenn hughes 
How did this come to be? Because that's that's huge. It's fucking Glenn Hughes, the voice of fucking rock, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a session uh, for uh, this Danish singer back in 2008, maybe. Uh, the keyboard player, uh, one of my best friends, one of the best keyboard players on the planet, Dan Lindian. He uh, asked me to do that session. So we drove down to Copenhagen and uh, did that session with her. So uh, I got to thank Dan for for asking me to do that session, uh, because otherwise I wouldn't have met Søren Anderson, who was the producer uh, for that session. And now, as maybe you know, uh, Søren is the the guitar player for the Glenn Hughes solo band. Oh, I didn't Uh, know that. I didn't know. I didn't know who Glenn was. But you you had heard of Deep Purple, obviously. <laughs> so uh, I did that session, and uh, fast forward uh, two years later, uh, he uh, messaged me on on Facebook. And oh, wow, two, year, that two years! I gone have by. a gig for you. Uh, Glenn Hughes wants you to be his drummer, his new drummer, and uh, I said, okay, cool. How, how did he know though? Like like he hadn't seen you play, had he? Yeah. You mean Glenn? Yeah. Uh, he actually, I have a fusion band called Confusion. And uh, so. <laughs> That's clever. It's a great so name. So actually, actually. What, hap- what happened, thank you. What happened was Glenn and Cern uh, went to the NAM show together and they were watching Shad Smith play. And uh, Glenn said to Cern, I want you to find me a drummer that plays from the heart, just like Chad. He didn't want a copy of, you know, of, of Chad. He, he wanted a drummer Gosh. that played, you know, from the heart. And, you know, so uh, he said, I know exactly the drummer that you're looking for. His name is Pontus Engberg, and he's in Sweden. And he, uh, he lived in the States, so he, he knows, you know, the business. And... Uh, so check him out. So, so Glenn went on YouTube and saw my band play a shitty ass club in Gothenburg. <laughs> Fusion shit, you know, free form, you know, right. yeah, yeah, not yeah. rock, you know. Yeah. And but he saw uh, what he was uh, looking for. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, so um, when CERN uh, asked me uh, if I wanted to do the gig, uh, I said, okay, where, when, and how much? <laughs> and, he, and he said, uh, Pontus, it's actually a bit bigger than a gig. You know, it's Glenn Hughes. Uh, and he called me up afterwards. Uh, so, he, you know, he wanted to talk who, to me. Who, Gl- who Glenn, Glenn called No, 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 Cern, Cern, sorry. Oh, okay. And he okay. could hear on my voice that I didn't know who Glenn was. <laughs> so he said, hey, I'm going to send you a couple of links. You know, so when CERN sent me the links and I listened to Glenn's voice and to the songs, I was like, this is me. This is totally me. Uh, I'm in. Did you from those links, were you able to figure out how big of a dude he was or were you just just into listening? Oh, yeah. 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 Right away. Question with that. You're you're living you're living in L.A. at the time. You have a guitar player that's in Copenhagen. And then. No, I'm in Sweden at the time. Okay. Okay. So I made it. I moved back closer. from the states. Yeah, I'm. I, I moved back to uh, to Sweden. 
Uh, actually, they threw me out because of visa problems, but that's another uh, yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, How so, did they catch uh, on to that? Uh, actually, we'll get to that another time because I'm really curious how they would even talk pay- about that. Uh, they saw him at a show. They saw him at a show. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> They're right. like, he's too good. We got to get him out of here so we don't have the competition. He's out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, 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 yeah, I got the link and I was really happy. And I said to Saren that, you know, this is totally me. You know, I, I want to do this. Uh, but uh, Shad Smith wanted to do the tour that was coming up and Matt oh, wow. Storm was supposed to do that tour. I didn't know that. Jeez, uh, little competition. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, for some reason, uh, he, uh, the management called me up and uh, said that uh, we have one gig in Serbia. And I, I see that as my audition, you know. But, you mm-hmm. uh, According to Glenn, I was in the band already, uh, but not for me. You know, I'm you know, I wanted I wanted to play with them before I, you know, yeah, I'm Swedish that way, which means that you know I don't take yeah. anything for granted at all. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, flew down to Serbia. It was a one-off gig, and uh, uh, no rehearsal. Twenty-one thousand people in the crowd. How many songs? Uh, did you take? I can't remember. It, two hours. A two-hour so show, you, and you guys you never no rehearsal. No rehearsal. Wow. Are there are, okay in, in Glenn no stuff when you guys play? Are there? Are, is it just like start finish, or are there jams in the middle? Or is there anything that you were like, okay, yeah. I hope the oh, fucking yeah. god, I oh, don't yeah. fall off the fucking tracks here. What happened was that uh, uh, we stayed in uh, Belgrade, right, uh, at this hotel, fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. I met Glenn the night before the show. He said, Hey, you know, welcome to the family. You know, I've been checking you out and I love you already. And, uh, we had a dinner. Uh, and, uh, so I, (laughs) I asked him, okay, so who's your favorite drummer? The biggest mistake ever coming from me, you know, (laughs) because Glenn said, well, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, have worked with, Many of my favorite drummers, and he started name dropping. You know, <laughs> give him, give him, give him, give, give me, give me, give me. Everybody in the business, you know, yeah, from rock to soul to R and B. Anyways, we uh, we had that dinner, and uh, uh, the day after, uh, I took a uh, now. Glenn, Glenn wanted to to. Uh, come later to the sound check it was a three-hour drive you know to, to the place to the where we were playing right from yeah. belgrade and uh I was why didn't car. you stay closer you i wonder oh, i don't know makes no sense no i don't know uh but anyways that driver drove so fast <laughs> and our keyboard player Anders Solinder, also Swedish guy. He lived in he lives in Bristol, England. And so we we don't speak Swedish to each other. You know, he, you know, for thirty years he's been living yeah. in England, uh, which is a good thing. You know, uh, that we don't speak Swedish because Glenn is not Swedish and right. Søren is not Swedish. So you know, it's a good thing. And I'm used to you know speaking English. So we're in the car. The driver drives so fucking fast. <laughs> 
So Anders is like, please, sir, calm down. You know, please drive slower. We have to work when we get there. and We have to be alive when we get there. You know? Yeah. His reply was, it's okay. I used to be a rally driver. <laughs> well, that doesn't help, does it? Yeah. yeah. so we you know we rolled around in the back there you know like hey holy shit gear gear flying everywhere (laughs) yeah and at one point uh uh, anders uh, told me that you know now when we get to the stage uh we get to do a sound check but when glenn gets there if there's people there glenn doesn't want to play the songs that we're going to play you know because he, don't, he doesn't want, you know, the people to hear what's coming up. So uh, we got there, and of course, there was a lot of people there. You know, it, it's, a, it's a festival, and we were headlining, and there's all, uh, I think it was only one stage. So uh, I did a drum sound check, and uh, Glenn came in a limousine, and Walked up on stage, you know, rock star as he is, and we started jamming, you know, funk, just jam. And it, that was nice, but it really didn't help me because I didn't know the live versions, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Endings, you know, intros, outros. So uh, I, uh, after the sound check, Glenn walked up to me and said, hey, of course, we're going to talk about songs now uh we have a five-star hotel we have day rooms up in the mountains and uh so we're going to drive there and you know we're going to relax for a bit and then you know we're going to have the talk about you know the show and i said great so he uh jumped into into his limousine and i jumped into my fucking rally driver <laughs> from serbia <laughs> in a rs6 or whatever you know the fastest car <laughs> so i'm in the car and he takes off to the left and glenn and the other guys takes off to the right i didn't see this but i ended up in a farm somewhere in serbia <laughs> oh jeez! and there's were, were the other guys in the band with you or were they with glenn glenn cern and anders went up to the mountains to this five-star hotel at a five uh, oh. course dinner you know and you're you're like and what, i was what the heck so everybody gets everybody gets in the limousine goes to one place you get in what you get in with uh speed racer guy and you go to the wrong yeah. place <laughs> yes where was so, what uh, was the place he took you to did it have anything to do with the festival or was it just a random farm i think the promoter wanted to uh, have the band there so they can taste the the serbian uh, food whatever you know yeah yeah, it was yeah, a huge like, misunderstanding. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I, I, I asked the driver who could barely speak any English at all. I'm like, uh, where's my band? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to talk to Glenn. You know, I, I'm the new guy. It's okay. You eat. You eat. No, oh, you, you don't get it. My anxiety would be through I, the roof. I managed to say, promoter, promoter. Ah, Okay. We call the promoter, half Canadian, or he's at the five-star hotel eating a five-course dinner with yeah. Glenn and the guys, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, 
I'm like, I, I got to talk to him. So, you know, hey, Sir Gay or whatever his name was, you know, uh, what's going on? Oh, I'm so sorry, Pop. This huge misunderstanding. Uh, but you know, um, we're gonna see you at you know backstage uh, before the show. I'm like, no, no, you, you don't get it. I'm the new guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're the new guy. Yeah, that's right. You know what? Your driver that you have there, he's an ex rally driver. I, I know. Shit. Shit, Einstein, I know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to tell him to drive really fast up the mountain so you can switch cars and go over the show inside the limousine on, you know, down to, to the show, to the festival area, which he did. You know, if he gets an order to drive fast, he does, you know. It did. Well, that he understood. I still had my, I still had my sound check clothes on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Uh, we switched cars, and uh, Glenn said, "I'm so sorry for this misunderstanding." Anyways, the first song starts like this, ends like that. <laughs> Second song, third song, blah 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 blah. I, can't, I, I, I don't, I don't have a piece of paper. I don't have a pen. I don't want to. I don't want to read. You know, like. I know how to read, but I don't want to read because it's a rock show. So I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, ba-ba-da-boom. Uh, ba-da-ba-da. Okay, and, and it's like that, and blah, 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 you know. So I learned this show, uh, police escort down the mountains in a limousine with Glenn and the guys uh, came down to the stage, 21,000 people in the crowd. And after 15 minutes, we started the show. And I can't remember anything of it. it you know, it was, it was like a speeding train just passes you by, you know. So what happens after this show, since the other guys are supposed, Matt Sorm or Chad Smith are supposed to do the tour, what, what, what goes down next? Right after the show, uh, I, I just left. I didn't want to bow or anything. I just left the stage because I'm like, okay, I'm fired. You know, that's it. You know, that was it. Now he's playing one show with Glenn Hughes. And now, you know, I'm done. You know, why did, why did you think you were done? Why, why did you think you played bad? It's, you know, no rehearsals. Yeah. Too much information, information, information. Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to playing shows like that. Uh, But not like that, you know, 21,000 people in the crowd. Come on, right, you know. Right. You weren't uh, able to ever get comfortable because you're always thinking so yeah, much. You had to constantly yeah. be thinking, right? You know, it was hard. It was hard. So I thought it was. I thought I was fired, and uh, I walked off stage. And uh, we were actually backstage, backstage. You know, the other local bands couldn't come into our, you know, yeah, yeah, backstage yeah. area. You know, like proper rock star shit. You know, right, right, yeah. yeah. So I'm there packing my bag and I'm like, okay, I got to take a nightliner to back to Sweden or a taxi or whatever. And Glenn said, Hey, I want everybody to shut the fuck up right now. Uh Oh, okay. He has to, so he's going to, he's going to fire me in front of everybody. Public. Yeah. Publicly. (laughs) Right. And he said, I want everybody to know that Pontus Einberg is the best first, show drummer that I ever played with in my whole life. 
Wow. Uh, then the Stern Anderson hits me right <laughs> on my shoulder saying, oh, you know what that fucking means, dude? That yeah. drummer, that drummer, that drummer, that drummer, you know? So that was, That's it was amazing. Sur- surreal, surreal. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Then we did one more festival uh, a week or two later in England, a biker festival, a biker festival, and uh, that was a better show, you know. Did but you have I, a I chance to re- rehearse for the second show? <laughs> that either. Yeah. Have you ever rehearsed with Glenn Hughes? Is the question after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I met, I almost missed the cue. Uh, we were playing this song called Mistreated, a uh, Deep Purple song called Mistreated. Mm-hmm. And he has a vocal thing in there, you know, beautiful. You know, it's Glenn Hughes, you know, come on. So it's on the keyboards and Glenn. And the first show, I was sitting behind the ground kit and I see CERN walk off stage during that moment. And, you know, it, it looks cooler if I'm not there, if I'm, you know, side stage waiting for the cue to happen so we can finish the song i thought okay i'm gonna you know go to the left hand side of the stage you know side stage and and wait for the cue and and cern was on my right hand side but you know he doesn't have a chord i mean he's chordless so he can just play that no he doesn't have to be guitar physically i have to be physically behind the drum kit uh, yeah. when Glenn uh, goes I've been losing my mind you know yeah I heard that cue that was side stage oh no just threw a stick and hoped you hit the right drum <laughs> and so fast I was in the air that I've been losing my mind right right if I missed that cue, I wouldn't have gotten gotten the, the gig. He would have called everybody into the backstage after the second gig and been like, the best first show drummer is the worst yes. second show it's drummer. the worst second. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you play with Glenn Hughes for? Uh, I'm still his drummer. You know? Oh, oh you still, are. Cool. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Still- yeah. He, he, he doesn't tour solo now. He, it's with the, the Dead Daisies. I thought I saw a picture when we were doing some research from like 2019 that had a different guy playing. Yeah, yeah, because that was another another project uh, called oh. Glenn Hughes Deep, uh, Glenn Hughes Classic Deep Purple Life. Okay, gotcha. so why why would he why did he switch the band up for that? Uh, sound. Yeah, you All know, right. I, I've been with Glenn for almost ten years. He was only in Deep Purple for a couple of years, I believe. Three, three, yeah, 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 three years, yeah, yeah. Wow, Uh, wow. So, okay, let me ask you this: through all the 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 years of playing with Glenn Hughes, give me a couple of highlights that that just pop. I gotta say, Sweden Rock, though. I mean, that's one of them uh, because my mom was there. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. I always wanted to play Sweden with Glenn. I always wanted to show my family and my friends who I'm working with. And, you know, Was that the only yeah. time you guys played Sweden through all those years? We played Sweden one time after that. What do you do besides just uh, with the, besides Glenn Hughes? What other, 
what other stuff have you done through the, the last uh, 10 years? When I didn't tour with Glenn, uh, I, I toured with this band, Legend, Voices of Rock. Was that the thing with Joe yeah, Lynn Turner? Joe Lynn Turner, he joined. Uh, we, you know, the first tour we did was that tour uh, that I told you about in Japan. Right. With Fergie yeah. Fredrickson, uh, Steve Argari, uh, Bill Champlin, and Bobby Kimball. That that is pretty wild. So, w- would you consider yourself a hired gun, or, or like, cause like, but because you, yes. you stay you stay yeah. places a long time. So, I, I'm a hired gun, but you know, when you get me, you get me. You know, I'm there. Right, right, no, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, uh, so, we took notice, and I, I really this next thing's really cool because I've actually thought about doing it myself. I myself am a very uh, big dreamer as we all are we're all like guys who play music and and travel around doing it and that's what we love to do uh and i think you got to be a dreamer to get to that level to be able to to make that happen so i've thought through the years about you know uh doing you know encouragement speaking and stuff like that and we've noticed that you you go out and you do uh you do conferences and stuff and talk to people about dreams which i think is fucking amazing so can you tell us a little bit about that it's a, it's a lecture, but it's also mm-hmm. a clinic. A drum After clinic a while, or just a clinic in general? Well, it, it started out just a clinic. But, you know, when I have time, I, I love to do that, you know, uh, especially high schools, you know, because yeah. then you can, you know, people have dreams, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not grown ups yet. They have a certain path or they don't know which path, you know, to go you know you can do you find you run into because i don't this will be an interesting thing to find out coming from an american and, and a swedish guy here in america yeah. i think a lot of kids who have dreams are told pretty much by society it's a pipe dream it ain't gonna happen you gotta do this you gotta work nine to five you gotta have stability this and that thing now let's yeah. be real um, as musicians, stability isn't the most common thing that comes around, and it's a, a risk that we all take when we get into this line of work. Um, it's, so the same, find, it's the same here. Is it the same? Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that's oh, my yeah. question. Is oh, yeah. Because like, I know that the Swedish government supports art differently than the American government. I know they provide rehearsal sure. rooms and things like that. Where you know, And, and I, I gather they're, they're smart enough to see what ABBA financially brought to the country, and they're like, there's yeah. a lot of money to be made in the arts, so we might as well support it. Um, yeah. we don't get even that here. It's like, if it's, you're like, if you're Dave Grohl, you're awesome. If you're not Dave Grohl, you're a loser. There doesn't seem to be yeah. much in the overall perspective. In between, right. You know, uh, oh, you're a musician. Oh, right. Hmm. Right. What else do you <laughs> do? You know? hmm. Right. Exactly. Okay. So what's your job? Question. You know, yeah, I hate that yeah. question. Yeah. But you do that for fun. That's your hobby. Right. But you know, oh, I, when no. they use the word hobby, that'll fucking right? send me over the fucking deep end. Yeah. Oh, so that's me a too. nice hobby. So what do you really do? You motherfucker. Yeah. What do you really do? Yeah. yeah. In all of the years with Glenn Hughes, what was your favorite show? I, I can't, I can't, I, I can say the fa- my favorite tour. The American 2016 tour, cool. uh, a power trio tour, and we had a great management, uh, a great tour bus, uh, a great driver, a great monitor engineer, and we had a great front of house. I mean, everything was just spot on, and uh, everyone was happy. Would that be the same lineup and timing of Sweden Rock Festival when 
we saw you? Yes. Yeah. Right when well, we saw you at Sweden Rock Festival. Well, we Rock had Fest an American. Uh, what's that? Well, I was going to say, when we saw you at Sweden Rock Festival, how long had that tour been going on for, and how long did it continue after? It was only, we did Sweden Rock, and then we played Hellfest, and then we recorded Glenn's album. So we did Sweden Rock, we played Hellfest, and then we flew to the studio in, in uh, Denmark at, cool. uh, to record his album. And then uh, I think we had two or three, no, maybe a month off. And I said to Glenn, uh, when I left the studio, I, I said, hey, I'll see you in the States. And he said, what? You want to sit on my face? <laughs> but i can't really say one show okay sweden rock because you know like i said my mom was there yeah good answer that's awesome all right final question Pontus. appreciate you taking the time and sitting with us we'll let you get back to your family here but it's been uh, a pleasure yes man it's, it's been, been awesome it's been fun awesome. as a motivational awesome. speaker i'd like you to leave us with some parting words uh well i use to say that never have a plan B until That's COVID a arrived. That's a good one. You made right. Johnny. You made Johnny lose lose it over here. <laughs> it's just it's just a weird. No, I agree with that a hundred percent because I always say if you have a plan B, that means you're you're doubting yourself and you're never going to get there. If you give yourself one option, that's it. You have to make it, and if you don't. Yeah, otherwise you will end up doing plan B. So. Right, yeah. yeah, you gave yourself an out. Giving yourself a backup plan is giving yourself an out. And once you give right. yourself an out, then you don't, you're not in it 150%. And if you're not in it 150%, right. you'll never get to where you want to go. So that's no. the thing that blows me away is people need to realize it takes a lot of hard work, no matter what it is, whether you want to be a drummer, whether you want to be a guitar player, whether you want to be an accountant, whatever yep. it is you want to be, two things come with it, hard work and fucking being in the right place at the right time. And that's why, and we'll end it with this, the Robert Evans quote is always the fucking best quote ever. Preparation plus opportunity equals success and on that note pontus i love you yeah, it's been yeah. amazing to see you hopefully i'll see you this summer because i'm definitely going to be over there this summer i just don't know if i'm going to make it to gothenburg but um i love you man we'll see and, and i love yes. you too i love you too yes. ryan it's been a pleasure thanks man yeah i appreciate it give your son some belly bellies for me belly, 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 belly. you know you know <laughs> awesome brother i'll talk to you see you buddy see ya Thank you, Pontus, for joining us this week. That was great. Everybody, you know the drill. Like, subscribe, report, follow. Yeah, maybe you like, uh, yeah, like a follow. Yeah, there, you know. It doesn't have to be yeah. all good room. The most important thing about all that is reporting us. So, everybody, whateverbuddy.com. Check that out. And come back next week for another episode on Whatever Buddy Wednesday of the Whatever Buddy Podcast. Until next week, have a great week.